To grow stronger, you must improve your attitudes. There's a connection between attitudes and strength. This message is the seventh in the series, I Will Grow Stronger. The message is entitled, Improve Your Attitude, Part Two. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. I want to continue today talking to us about improving our attitudes as we're involved in the series together entitled, I Will Grow Stronger. When Jesus brought you into his kingdom, when you accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life, he had a plan and a purpose for you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And in fact, it's very clearly articulated by Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he said, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come so you can have life and have it more abundantly. Notice that statement. Jesus says, I want you to have a more abundant life, not just an abundant life, but a more abundant life. That God designed you for more. And with Jesus, you can have more of a life than you can ever have apart from him. But this more life that you and I experience or are to experience in Jesus requires some decisions on our part. It's not just going to happen automatically. There are things that you must choose to do. There are, there are decision points along the way. And one of those decision points is the decision to say, I will grow stronger. Say it with me. I will grow stronger. See, there are folks who accept Christ into their life. They may attend church from time to time, but they never really give any attention to their spiritual growth and getting stronger. But if you want everything God has for you, you have to be a growing Christian. You have to be someone who is gaining spiritual strength, dealing with areas of spiritual weakness in your life. And one of those areas that we're talking about in this particular part of the series is, is your attitude. What are your attitudes? How are you maintaining and managing the attitudes of your life? And what are you doing to improve your attitudes? Because your attitudes will either strengthen you or they will weaken you. And all through the pages of Scripture, we find story after story and principle after principle that have to do with attitudes, the way you think, the way you perceive, and the way you feel about things in life. And so God wants to get down into your attitudes. Because if he can strengthen and improve your attitudes, he will strengthen and improve your life. And we talked last weekend about the importance of the attitude of joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And we talked about how to experience that joy by learning to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, as Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 4, I will say it again, rejoice. We talked about the pattern, the pathway of rejoicing. And that's a choice that we can make. And today, I'm going to share with you six things that will help you to continually improve your attitude that will result in greater spiritual strength in your life. Number one, the first thing this weekend that we'll look at together is that you and I need to build our life on the promises of God. Build your life on God's promises. If you want good attitudes, you need to have the right promises at the core of your being. You need a foundation built upon the promises of God. Now, promises in and of themselves are powerful. They change your perspective. They bring you hope. Let's say, for example, today that you were going through a major financial crisis and I walked up to you at the end of today's service and said, you know what, on Wednesday this week, I promise you I'll give you $1,000. Would that change your attitude? Yeah, just the promise. You didn't have the $1,000 yet, but you had the promise, the promise that I was going to give you something that would meet your need, that promise alone would lift the attitude of your life. And so promises have power to change attitude, especially when they're the promises of God. Now, the promises of people come and go, and sometimes people will disappoint you. 
Sometimes people will promise you things that they don't deliver on. Maybe it's intentionally they don't deliver or unintentionally, but no one can satisfy every promise they make from a human perspective, but God is good on every promise He gives. There's never a promise that God gives that we should not lay hold of and believe to be true for our lives. And so you can't benefit from a promise unless you know the promise of God. I'm going to share with you today nine promises from God. I could have shared with you 900 of them because the Bible really literally is a book of promises from God. But I'm going to give you nine of them. And at the end of reading these nine, we'll read them fairly quickly. But at the end of reading these nine verses, I'm going to ask you a question. I think that you will affirmatively respond to and you will see the connection between the promises of God and the attitudes of your life. Let's start by looking at John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. So if you want to know how to get to heaven when you die, you believe in the promise of Jesus Christ that he came as savior of the world, then you have the assurance or that promise from God of eternal life. Romans 8, 37 through 39, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the promise? The promise is nothing can separate you from the love of God. Isn't that great to know? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. One translation says, God did not give you the spirit of fear, but that of power, love, and of a sound mind. So when fear comes your way, you say, you know what? This spirit of fear is not from God. God promises that in the face of my fear to give me power, to remind me that I'm loved by him, and to give me the sound way of thinking to get my way through it so I don't have to give place to fear. It's a promise from God. Listen to 1 John 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He that is in you is greater than the one in the world. That is, there's the greater one living in you. So whatever you face, it seems to be great. God is always greater. Promise. When you're facing a task that you don't know how you'll accomplish it or how you'll be able to do what needs to be done. Philippians 4, 13 is your promise. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When you have a need in your life that you're not sure how it will be met, Philippians 4.19 is your promise. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God promises to meet your need. Anybody want to say hallelujah that He promises to meet your need? Romans 8, 28, when you're going through trouble, you can't figure out what's happening in your life. Here's your promise. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I can't figure out what I'm going through, but I know that whatever I'm going through, God's going to use it for good. Even what the devil means for evil, God can turn for good in my life. And then Psalm 23, verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. Here's the promise. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I shall not want. 
And then Psalm 37, verse 25. Read this one together with me aloud and loudly. Let's all read it. Here we go. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. There's a promise that God will take care of you if you will walk with Him. He will take care of you from the time that you're young till the time that you're old. He will never, ever disappoint you. And what I want you to see is just reading these nine promises. That's all I've done today. Make very little comment on these nine promises. But already as I've read them and slightly commented on them, don't you feel better already? Have your, have your attitudes lifted a little bit higher because you've heard the promise of God in your life, okay? That's why you need to know the promises of God because they will carry you through stuff. They will get you through things that otherwise you could not make it through. You grab hold of the promise and it lifts your attitude. Build your life on the promises of God. Number two, pay close attention to your intake. In life, you're always taking things in. And whatever you take into your spirit and soul will determine the outcome of your life. What's coming out of your life is determined by what comes into your life. I'll say it another way. Whatever you feed on is what forms you. Whatever you're feeding on is forming you on the inside. Internally, you and I have a spirit and a soul, and we're taking stuff into our spirit and soul all day long, far more than you realize. And whatever you take in is affecting your attitudes. I'm going to give you four ways that your attitudes are affected by your intake. These are not on your notes. They're very simple. There's nothing profound about what I'm about to say but it's valuable to be reminded of it. Number one, you take in things through what you see, by what you read, by what you watch, okay? Your eye gate. So every day, you're looking at stuff, okay? And the stuff that you look at, more than you realize, is affecting what goes on in your spirit and in your soul. It's affecting your attitude. If you watch something that's bad, it affects you in a negative way internally. If you see something that is good and you pay attention to that, it affects you in a positive way. It can inspire you with your life. And so what you view, how you, what you read, whether it be a magazine or a book or what you read on the web or what you're watching on television. This stuff has an impact upon your life far more than you recognize. Second of all, what you hear, what you listen to. All day long, we're taking stuff into our ears. We're hearing stuff. And so if it's good, it builds us up on the inside. If it's not so good, then it pulls us down. It can have an impact, a negative impact on attitudes. There are times that you may not even realize it, but you're watching stuff and listening to stuff that is soiling you and spoiling you on the inside. It's souring you on the inside. You know, sometimes I've had to stop in the middle of watching the news and change channels or turn the television off because the news was wrecking my attitude. Anybody ever had that problem? Okay. Just the news alone and maybe some of the comments related to the news, it was getting to me and I was letting it get into my system. It was beginning to affect my attitudes. I was, I was beginning to develop a less than Christian attitude. And so you've got to be careful what you're watching. You've got to be careful what you're listening to because this stuff gets on the inside of you and it begins to affect how you think and the way you process. Then the third thing you'll write down is your, will be your conversations. When you have a conversation with another person, there's an exchange that happens. Now, some conversations are simply chit-chat, and there's no little, very little content to them, and so they may not negatively or positively affect you. It's just a matter of sharing information or talking about a particular subject like the weather or whatever it might be, and so there's no adverse effect. But many of our conversations can either adversely affect us or positively affect us, depending upon the content of the conversation. 
because we talk about having a heart-to-heart conversation with another person. And when you have a heart-to-heart conversation with another person, whatever is in their heart gets spilled over onto your heart. You with me here? And whatever is in your heart gets spilled over onto their heart. And as long as there's good stuff in their heart that spills over onto your heart and good stuff in your heart that spills over onto their heart, everything's good. But if there's bad stuff in their heart that spills over to bad stuff or even good stuff in your heart, we've got a problem, Houston. Because something is starting to happen here that is soiling you or affecting you in an adverse way. And so what you look at affects you. What you listen to affects you. The conversations that you have that you may not think will affect you. They do affect you far more than you realize. And then your own thoughts affect you. When you're by yourself, you can get your own self in trouble. Sometimes we don't even need anybody else to mess us up. We mess ourselves up. Just by the track and train of our thinking, we let our thoughts go down a pathway, and the devil loves to play on that kind of stuff in your life and plant little thoughts in your mind that are negative here or offensive there or things that he will pull at you and plant in your thinking. And if you don't filter that stuff out, it will drain you of the right kind of attitude, and the devil loves to deplete your attitude because when he depletes your attitude, he depletes your strength. So we have to be careful what our intake is. And there's no greater intake and a protection for your life than the intake and the protection of the Word of God. It will wash you on the inside. Amen? Right now, as I'm sharing God's Word, there's the washing of the water of the Word. As you pick up the Bible and read it, there's the washing of the water of the Word. It washes out that kind of garbage. It filters out that kind of stuff from your life. Listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 16. He said, when I discovered your words, talking about the Word of God, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's army. Jeremiah said, when I finally discovered the words of God, I could not get enough of them. Why? Because they brought something to my heart that nothing else could bring. They brought joy to me, so be careful. Guard your heart. Make sure that you're paying close attention to what you intake in your life. Number three, you want to have good attitudes? That was a question, by the way. You want to have good attitudes? Replace your worry with worship. Replace your worry with worship. Worry is a joy robber. Worry will steal happiness and joy and peace from you. Worry is a good attitude killer. I want to try to illustrate for you how worry works in your life. Let's just assume for a moment as an illustration, for illustration purposes, that this represents the worry or the worries in your life right now, whatever you may be worried about. And when you have something to worry about in your life, what happens is this, you begin to focus on what you're worried about. You begin to think about it. You begin to ruminate over it. You begin to meditate, if you will, on your worries. You begin to think about it. And whatever you focus on, here's a principle to remember, whatever you focus on, you'll magnify. Everything you focus on ends up being magnified. And so as you're looking at your worries, they just get bigger and bigger. And the more you look at your worries, the bigger the problems become. Because one worry leads to another. Well, if this happens, then that's going to happen. If that happens, well, that will happen. If that happens, well, that's really going to transpire. Before long, this worry that started out maybe small has become huge. 
and it's, it's got the focus of your attention. You know, there are a lot of people walking around life just like this. All they can see are their worries, and they wonder why they bump in to about everything in life. Because all they're looking at are the worries. I've got to be careful. I'm going to step off the edge of this platform in a minute, okay? So when you're looking at your worries, that's all you're going to see. You're paying attention. You've magnified the problems in your life. And if you don't have enough magnifying going on yourself, the devil will magnify them for you. He lies to you and he builds stuff up in your mind that are far, far worse than what you could even imagine. He loves to play on the anxieties and the worries. But here's what God says. God says, I want you to replace your worries with worship. Instead of magnifying your problems, I want you to magnify me because I'm the solution to all your problems. Okay? And so you do that by worship. Okay? You do that by actively engaging in something called worship. Instead of magnifying your problems, you begin to magnify the Lord. Oh, come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together, the psalmist said. Why? Because God is bigger than any problem you will ever have in your life. God is bigger than any set of problems you will ever have in your life. God is the greater one. There is no problem that competes with the power and the awesomeness of Almighty God. No problem. And so God says, I want you to worship instead of worry. It's a choice that you make. Listen to what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6. I've read this a number of times over the years, and I'm sure we'll look at it, Lord willing, a number of times in the years to come. But it's a very powerful principle. It says, don't worry about anything. Turn to that friend beside you and say, don't worry about anything. Go and tell them, don't worry about anything. Come on, tell them like you really, just give them a firm, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let me stop there for a moment. If you're not going to pray, maybe you should worry. But the Bible says, don't worry about anything. Instead, do what? Pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank Him for His answers. That's called worship, okay? I'm going to worship God. I'm going to magnify Him. I'm going to thank Him for what He's going to do. If you do this, that is, if you refuse to worry and you choose to worship, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace, that's an attitude, will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things and others. Think about all you can praise God for, that's worship, and be glad about it. Or be glad about and be and, and praise God for and be glad about. Now listen to First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Again, same principle. Always be joyful. How? How can we always be joyful? Verse 17. Never stop praying. And then verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So make it a habit to worship instead of worry. Number four, develop a bright perspective. Perspective is the way that you look at life, the way you look at something. It's been said that you can take a, a glass that has water in it to a halfway mark, and you can put it before two groups of people one being a pessimistic group and the other being an optimistic group, and they'll both have different perspectives. One will say the glass 
is half full, and the other will say the glass is half empty. A subtle difference, but a significant difference. One looks on the negative side, one looks on the positive side. The glass is half full, or the glass is half empty. Same amount of water in the same glass, same observation from the standpoint of what you're seeing, but the interpretation is different. The interpretation for one is empty, the other one is half full, half empty, half full. Perspective is huge. It makes a big difference in your life. And what I want to encourage you with today is to realize that with God, you can always choose to look on life with a bright perspective because there's always a bright side with God. Amen? There's always a bright side with God. No matter how dark something is, there's always a bright side with God. And sometimes life gets dark and we think about all the dark things that are going on in our life and we fail to realize that, yes, it may be cloudy and dark, but with God, there's a bright side. The light is always shining with God. God is light. Amen? He's light, okay? Most of you, if not all of you, have had this experience at some point in time in your life. You've taken off in an airplane on a cloudy day. Maybe it was raining and highly overcast. The cloud cover was thick and strong. And everything was gloomy. And you soared up into the air. And it was a particular time when you broke through the cloud cover. And when you broke through the cloud cover, you were reminded that even though on the ground it was cloudy, above the clouds the sun was still shining. Amen? The glorious beauty of sunshine was still there. The sun had not stopped shining, you just couldn't see it, okay, where you were originally. And the same is true as you're going through things in your life. You may not always be able to see the, the, see the sun shining, but I promise you this, the sun is always shining in your life somewhere, okay? Even though there will be a cloud cover at times. Paul understood this. He lived his, way, his life this way. In just a moment, I'm going to read uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Let me give you the background. I talked about it last week. Let me quickly kind of remind you of it from last week. When Paul writes this book of Philippians, a very short book, four chapters, 104 verses. You can read it in less than half an hour, more than likely, even as a slow reader. Very simple book to read. He writes it when he's in prison in Rome. He's there because he's been preaching the gospel. He's done nothing wrong. He's only tried to help people, sharing Jesus with them. And, and nevertheless, he's been arrested and put in prison. There he is, chained most likely to at least one guard, 24-7, perhaps even two guards, from time to time in his prison environment. And I'm sure if you'd ask Paul if he had preferred to be in prison or preferred to be out preaching, what would the answer have been? Of course, he would have preferred to be out preaching, but nevertheless, he found himself in prison. So here he is. And he writes from prison in this, this dank cell that he's in. He writes this letter called the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi and theologians as it as it has been studied over the years found something that is the theme of this book over and over again and you'll see that Paul writes about joy 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 rejoicing joy joy rejoicing it's called the letter of joy so in this adverse circumstance Paul writes this incredible letter about joy how did he do this he was only able to do it because he kept a bright what perspective he had the right and bright perspective in his life now, let's take a look at verse number 12, and let's see this perspective that he has. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here, where's the here? Where was he? In prison. Everything that has happened to me here that is in prison has done what? 
spread the good news. See, Paul, instead of moaning and groaning and complaining about the environment he was in, he said, you know what, there's something bright about this. Even though I would have preferred to be out preaching the gospel, and here I find myself in prison for the preaching of the gospel, I am confident that God has used this for a good purpose and a good end. And what I want to encourage you to think of today is not just to keep the right perspective in life, but to make sure you keep a bright perspective in life. Number five, the fifth thing that is essential. If you and I are going to improve our attitudes, is we must grow up and not give up. We must grow up and not give up. God allows all of us to experience challenges along the way. You'll never get through this life without some problems, some difficulties that we all face. They come in different forms, but we all face them. The Apostle James writes about this in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and helps us to understand what our attitude should be when we're going through these things. And he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's one word that's found twice in these four verses, and that's the word perseverance. I would encourage you perhaps to circle that word as you see it twice there. Faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance, and then let perseverance finish its work so you'll be mature and complete. I want to talk about that word perseverance for a moment because perseverance is an attitude as well as an action. Perseverance, simply defined as this, it is, it is refusing to give up when everything inside of you wants to give up. Perseverance is not perseverance unless you want to give up. You have to persevere against the desire to quit, okay? And so in life, what perseverance is, is that when, as James is talking about it here, is when all these different trials and problems come upon you, okay? You're facing these, these challenging moments in your life, and it's just pressing down upon you. The tendency of human nature is to say, I, I quit, I just give up, I can't handle this anymore. I'm just not going to, I can't do this, can't do this. And James says what you need to do instead of giving up is you need to grow up. Okay, to say, I'm not going to give up, I'm going to grow up, and I will grow up by making the choice of persevering. And persevering says, I'm just going to keep going even when I don't want to keep going, amen? I'm going to keep going when everything in me wants to quit. I will not give up, amen? I will not quit. I will keep going. I'm going to wake up every morning and everything around me is saying quit. But I'm going to say, I'm going to get up this morning. I'm going to look to God. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm just going to keep walking my way through because I believe that one day I will walk my way through this challenge and I will make it to the other side, okay? I'll make it through. Even when you can't see how it's going to happen. This is exactly, are you with me today? This is exactly what the psalmist David was talking about when he wrote in the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk 
through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. David said, I'm going through this darkest time. I can't see anything but darkness around me. It's the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going to keep walking through it. Notice he said, for I know that you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David said, it might be tough right now. I can't understand it all right now, but one thing I am going to do, I'm just going to keep walking my way through the valley because if I walk my way through the valley, on the other side of the valley, there will be a victory in Jesus' name. On the other side of the valley, there will be a breakthrough. I know that beyond me, he's going to lay a table in front of me in the presence of my enemies. I know that I'll make it through and he'll anoint my head with oil. I will not give up. I'm going to grow up through the valley so I experience all the blessing that God has for me. Dear one, don't you give up. Don't give up. Press through. Why? Because when you're pressing through in your life, that pressing through is building muscles inside of you. That the only way you can develop them is by going through the challenging, tough times of life. And as you press against that resistance, something is happening internally in you where strength is coming and you're gaining a maturity that you cannot gain any other way to make the declaration, I will not give up, I will grow up. Don't you dare quit in the fourth quarter, amen? So, well, the score looks pretty bad, Pastor. It's the fourth quarter, not much time left. Looks pretty bad. Just remember the Super Bowl a few weeks ago, right? I went to bed early thinking my team had won. I woke up the next morning, severe depression. Because it was something about the New England Patriots that said, We ignore the scoreboard. You know, sometimes you just have to ignore the scoreboard, amen? Looks like all the score is against you, but you keep shooting the basket. You you keep passing the ball. You keep running the plays, and it'll be amazing what God will do in your life, amen? Don't you give up. You make the decision to grow up, amen? So important. Last point here today. As we wrap up, The sixth thing that is essential is to make sure you're living for the long haul. This life is not all there is. There's there's life beyond this life. And this is important because if you think that this life is all there is, you're going to be very frustrated. Because as soon as you get one problem solved, there's always another problem that comes, correct? Okay? Okay. So you think, well, I've got that licked, and now here comes another one you've got to deal with. And so life in this life, there's always challenges that you're going to face in this life. But the good news is that this life is not all there is. We're not, you're not going to be in this life forever. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you're moving beyond this life to an eternal life. And what you and I need to do now is we need to live in this life with an eternal perspective of the life that is to come, okay? And that life, when, it, when you enter to that next life, when you breathe your last breath here and you're welcomed into the presence of God with your first breath in heaven, please remember something. In that new place, there will be no sadness, there will be no sickness, there will be no more sorrow, and there will be no more pain. All this stuff will be over with. Amen. Isn't that great to know? Now, none of us, 
You know, I'm happy to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to going to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I just I don't plan on taking the train today, okay? I, you know, I, I, I want to live my life for full, for the fullness of everything that God wants me to live my life for. But I can tell you this, if I were to go today, it's okay, all right? Because I'm at peace with God, and I know that for eternity that I have a secure place, and I will leave these troubles behind. And Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings, a blessing upon us forever and ever. So we do, we do not look, notice the statement, we do not look at what we can see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys where in heaven which we have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Paul says, what helps me to get through this stuff sometimes is it seems to come fast and furious at me and all these troubles, but what helps me is to put it all in eternal perspective. And the eternal perspective is that when you look at this life, it's really fairly short compared to eternal life. And so I remember that it's not just what I'm facing today, but I realize that one day all of this is going to be over and I'll be able to experience whatever struggles I've had here, I'll be able to then experience the joys of God's kingdom forever and forever. It's living life with an eternal perspective. Let me take you back as I'm wrapping up today to the psalmist David in the 23rd Psalm. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I'm going to keep walking through my valley, right? That's called perseverance, right? For I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's believing that he's going to make it through to something even better. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Then he said this, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then he tapped on to the end, this one little phrase, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. David says, even though it may not work out exactly like I'm thinking it's going to work out, one thing I know is at the end, it will work out. Okay? Even though it may not all come together the way I think it's going to come together, I have the assurance that God's love and mercy is with me, are with me always, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One day, all of this is going to be over with, and I carry that perspective with me every day. You might say, well, pastor, that's wonderful, going to heaven, that's, that's awesome, but i got to deal with this nasty now and now. How do I deal with the nasty now and now? And you're talking to me about the sweet by and by. But I want you to know if you have the right perspective of the sweet by and by, it'll help you in the nasty now and now. Amen. It'll get you through things that other things will never get you through. This life is not all there is. One day, a period will be put on suffering and sorrow and sadness and pain. And you'll enter the joy of Jesus for all eternity if you're in right relationship with Him. Do you want to be strong? Do you want to say, I will grow stronger? To grow stronger, you have to work on your attitudes. Because bad attitudes make weak people. And good attitudes make strong people. 
And the Bible has given us the pathway to strengthen our attitudes. May God help us through the power of his Holy Spirit to live this way in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. Thank you for the opportunity that we've had to study your word. We're grateful that you've reminded us of some important principles. And Lord, we can't live any of these principles without your grace and power upon us. And I pray that in the name of Jesus, that you would breathe life and hope into every heart today. And I pray that you'll help us to keep pressing on with you. And I pray you'll build strength on the inside. Help us to adjust our attitudes in ways that will produce joy. And let the joy of the Lord be our strength, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.